Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer of Hit Podcast Forever 35. Hello and welcome. Hello, Allison. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you for coming on. So every time I listen to Forever 35, I relate so strongly. Like I feel like you guys have created this wonderful niche, niche? I never know which direction I want to go. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes way. I have a problem where what comes out is niche. Wait, the options are niche or niche. No, niche. No. Niche. Oh my God. Wait, what's, what's, the, sometimes I like my brain splits the difference. What would be exactly in between? Niche. Yes. Niche. That's what comes out. Niche. 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 Yes. I go, uh, I go philosopher on it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, I just should just avoid that word because it it ties me up every time. Anyway, though, I feel like you guys have have uh, created this great podcast that really speaks to a large segment of women. Thank you so much. That's really cool to and hear. When I listen to it, I walk away with like a little pearl of wisdom or a new way of looking at something. For example, and I think it was a while ago, I was listening and you guys were talking about how coffee makes you anxious. Mm. And one of you was at I think at Starbucks and decided you weren't going to get coffee. That sounds like a, a anxiety Kate. attack I would have. <laughs> sounds yes. like a Kate, Kate decision. <laughs> Dora, you know me so well now. Uh, yeah, that would be me. I go through uh, moments of indecision and anxiety at every turn. That's me all the time. Oh, good. And I also, when not pregnant, drink so much coffee. And I never really thought about the relationship between coffee and anxiety. It's very, it's caffeine, I think, is what it is. When I was in college, I was really having bad panic attacks and my OCD was really heightened. And I went to the school therapist and that they were like, um, do you drink caffeine? And at the time at my college, you could just get soda out mm-hmm. of a machine. Like a, it would just pour out of the machine in the cafeteria. And I was drinking like three Cokes at every meal. So that was the first time I really understood that my caffeine consumption could exacerbate my anxiety. So I, I'm always, cons- it's something I'm always trying to consider um, when I am drinking coffee or tea or I don't drink soda anymore. Right. But yes, but yes. Oh, coffee is. It's really smart it though. It tickles I mean- that anxiety nerve elbow whatever it's ticklish. button it pushes button. that anxiety mm-hmm. it does button. it really does and i'd never thought about that oh it's there so wise yeah. and then also you guys introduced me to someone whose name i had known for a long time because i lived in new york and was a writer but glennis i loved her book oh my god yeah. and i uh i talked about it on this podcast no one tells you this mm-hmm. um the funny thing is that I related so, even though I did get married and have kids, I related so strongly to the story of a woman who turns 40 and realizes, and my husband uh, enjoys every time I say this, but and realizes <laughs> like that's not the direction she wants to go. Yeah. I think because I spent so much of my life uh, not having, not having yeah. a husband and not having kids. And like, that's really what, that was my identity for so many years. And this, this is sort of a new development, what's happened now. So yeah, I just, I loved her book. She's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think just the experience of having to justify your life choices or prove your happiness to people is something that many 
um, women can relate to. Right. Especially Jennifer Aniston. who's <laughs> always having to prove that she's fine not having children. Yeah. Even though the tabloids insist otherwise. I know. Do you believe her? Yes. She's fucking living a great life in Malibu with her dog. <laughs> Getting I mean, stoned every day. Yeah. She's, I think that's, it's such a weird um, cultural, uh, like, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but just the idea that like a woman can't is be it happy. Niche? <laughs> it's actually niche. I think in this instance, niche, it's niche is yeah. the word I'm looking for. Uh, anyway, soapbox removed, but <laughs> Jennifer Aniston alone. How did you two meet each other? The internet. Tumblr. Yeah. We followed each other on Tumblr. And in the late, I should the late say aughts. in 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. This was not like... You were still in New York then, right? We were both in New York, yeah. actually. Yeah, but did not meet in person until we both moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. Because that's how you're supposed to do it with internet friends. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we had followed each other on Tumblr for a long time. And I always loved Kate's writing. And... Ditto. Then... You loved your I loved too. my own writing. <laughs> <laughs> And then when I moved to LA, it was like, oh yeah, maybe we should actually hang out. I think you were hugely pregnant. I I was. There was some. I or, was, or you had just given birth, or something. At some point, the second child was involved. Yeah, my memory is not very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and yeah, and then we became friends, and we started doing like a two-person writing workshop together. And then, how did that go? Or like, how did that work? Um, it went great. Yeah. It was it, weirdly great. It required, I, I'm so insecure that I just had to get over it. And you were a great partner in dealing with my insecurity of showing anybody my work. But I think meeting with somebody who you trust for any project that you're working on, be it writing or I don't know, building a house, whatever, you actually get it done. Someone's mm. holding you accountable. And it went really well. I worked on my book proposal. Dory was working on a manuscript. And then we both sold our books and wrote our books. And... and- Oh my god! It's because I'm pregnant that I can't remember the name of your book. Kate. No, mine's just called the Dead Moms Club. I knew it was. A I knew it was something like that. My brain title. wanted to say the Grief Club, but <laughs> close, same thing, yeah. same diff. <laughs> and so that's what you were working on when you and Dory. It was were... like I knew I wanted to write about the experience of um, of losing somebody, losing my mom, and but I, I would have never followed through. I like coming up with ideas and then just like watching Bachelor in Paradise and not actually <laughs> doing the thing. And so it was really helpful having like an accountability partner who also happens to be an excellent editor. Thanks. Well, it's the truth. You really- um, Dory, what were you working on at the time? I was working on my novel, Startup. Which everyone should go read. Oh, yeah. I love Thank you, Allison. Um, and Kate was really important in terms of like the the novel's development and helping me figure out what the story was and (laughs) characters and again just like having that accountability like I think we met roughly once a month yeah something like that um and we would just like share work with each other and then get together and talk about it and just kind of knowing that I had to I was like okay I need to send something to Kate Mm -hmm. that was just good to have question which I find myself asking a lot of people lately. And I may have even asked this of you when you and your husband, Matt Myra, came on the show. Mm -hmm. So pardon the repeat. But what was your experience writing fiction like? Because I am so tethered to nonfiction and Mm. I don't want to be. But even in a creative writing class, like the only creative writing class I ever took in college, I remember a short story I wrote that was so barely like so barely disguised it was just autobiographical yeah I mean you know I have been a journalist all of my career I've only ever written nonfiction, 
Um, and so I think the idea to write a novel sort of started as almost like a challenge to myself. Like, maybe I can write fiction. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, <clears throat> I think initially I was kind of like high on the idea that I could just like make everything up. Right. Because Playing when, God. Yeah, exactly. Like, because <laughs> when you're a journalist, you are so beholden to what people actually say mm. and do. And, you know, you have to like uncover the story, but you're not making up the story. And so at first I was like, ooh, this is fun. I can just have him say this other thing. And then like, <laughs> after a while I was like, oh, but I actually have to like figure out the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the hardest part. And actually Kate was really helpful at one point. She was like, you should do a beat sheet, like a screenplay beat sheet for your novel and figure out what the, like how to plot this. And that, I think that made a lot of things kind of click for me. What, what was the first germ of the idea that came to you? Was it like, like, like I want to tell a story about X or was it these characters? It, it kind of started with characters and I knew I wanted to write something that was set in the New York tech world, but it started, it initially started with a character who ended up becoming like a very minor character in the book, but he was initially like one of the main characters. Which one was it? Nilay. Farewell, my old um, friend. Yeah. And, you know, I had a whole, he had a whole trajectory. He's like the opening. He was the opening character. character. Um, and then after a while, after I'd been working on the book for a while, I was like, oh, this isn't really his story. He, he was a friend of he Katya's was, boyfriend. Exactly. Yeah. yeah his, his former business partner. So the original draft had a lot more about their, like the relationship between Victor and Nalay. Mm-hmm. Um and then I just realized that that had just been my way into the story, but that wasn't the actual story. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And are you inspired to write more fiction? I would like to, um, but I, you know, I'm pregnant now. Um, and before that, I had been dealing with a lot of IVF stuff that was just very stressful. And so I haven't really... I don't know. I feel like I haven't really had the brain space to mm. do it. And we should talk about the fact that you're pregnant. Mm. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, because you went through, how long did you go through IVF? And, and you documented um, your journey and are still documenting yeah. your journey on Matt and Dory's excellent adventure, yeah. which is a podcast. Yeah. So we did IVF for about almost two and a half years. Excuse me. Um, And we started the podcast two years ago. We started the podcast when we were about six months into IVF. Um, So yeah, two and a half years. And how many transfers did you have? We did three transfers. We did five retrievals and Mm. three transfers. Um, And was this last one a fresh or frozen transfer? A frozen. Do you still have, I don't know, I imagine you talk about... Oh yeah, we talk about this all the time. Do Do you still have embryos left? We have one embryo. Um, it has a deletion on a chromosome. Mm, so you did genetic testing. We did genetic testing. Um, they have kept that embryo frozen because they think it's inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Our doctor said she would, like, if I had wanted to transfer it with the embryo we transferred, right. she was willing to do that. And we really contemplated that for a minute. Um, right, because there's some... I don't know if it's evidence or thought or belief that or whatever that they can self-correct in the womb. That is with a mosaic embryo, which is slightly different okay. from the issue that this embryo has. But as my doctor said, like genetic testing has advanced so far that 
this thing that they picked up like three years ago, they would have just graded this a normal embryo. Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, you know, it's possible that they would have transferred and wouldn't have survived anyway. Um, But I think we were like, you know what, let's just transfer the one that we know is normal. Mm -hmm. And down the road, like maybe they will find out more and they'll be able to figure out like whether this is something we need to worry about or whether it's actually nothing or. um, So, yeah, so we have one like maybe normal embryo left. And so how many weeks are you now? I'm eight weeks. Um, how are you feeling about everything? Because I found, so I also, I was very open about our IVF journey yeah. and it took a, we, so I, um, I'm a poor responder. So like, I just don't make a lot of eggs and we did all in all, but a, a couple of them were after I already had my son. We did 10 retrievals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was lucky enough to get pregnant on my first transfer. And then when we did the next transfer, and these were all with embryos that we had gotten before I got pregnant. Like I got nothing the next time around after Elliot. Uh, The next one, I just, and they were like two perfect um, day three embryos. So no genetic testing, but still you know, they looked really good. And I was so sure I would get pregnant again just because I did the first time yeah. and then I didn't. Mm. Um, but then with, we transferred our last two, which weren't as high grade. Um, and then I got pregnant. Oh, so was, wow. so I, but I feel so lucky because I just mm. feel like what, what people don't realize with IVF is that like, oftentimes it doesn't work out. Totally. And you really have to, you're sort of prepared, even though how can you be, but, um, Oh, I, I had started talking to my sister about donor eggs. Yeah. Like we were like this, we were like, this is not going to work. Yeah. So, so I found that after having, you know, this, like trying to get pregnant for so long and then it finally happened. And then once you're pregnant, it's this whole other host of ups and downs and crazy emotions. And, (laughs) and I think I don't try to remember if I felt guilty or if I felt like maybe I should feel guilt, like, or if people were saying like, this thing of like, it's not like you haven't crossed the finish line mm-hmm. once you're pregnant. Like that's no. just a new beginning of challenges. Yes. Yeah, so totally. How are you doing? Kay and I talk about this all the time yeah. um, because there is this element of me, you know, having gone through infertility that feels like I need to preface every complaint because I've been mm-hmm. super nauseous that I need to preface everything by being like, I am so hashtag blessed. Yes. But, you know, yes, totally. <laughs> it's like, do I need to say that all the time? Like, at some point, can't I just complain that I feel like shit? Right. You know what I mean? Um, and like, of course, I'm grateful. I'm grateful every single day. I also went through hell to get here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do wrestle with that. Um, and, you know, because I do a podcast about IVF and infertility, I do feel kind of a responsibility to my listeners. And I know a lot of them are still struggling. But at the same time, it's like they're coming with me on this journey and like this is where I'm at. Right. You know, um, so, yeah, it's 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 crazy, though. And like, yeah, I mean, the other thing is like I am only eight weeks, which is like normally earlier than people kind of yeah. start telling people. But because I do this podcast, I mean, people knew when I was like two weeks along or something. Right. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's weird. I was open about it too from like I I didn't say anything when I cuz they they tell you not to test at home but I did test at mm-hmm. home. I didn't say anything when I got mm. the positive at home. I waited till I got the positive beta but then I said yeah. it. Um just because I'm like I can't I can't 
not I can't hide it yeah from totally, my listeners yeah. um but this time around I was a lot I hedged a lot more with like you know so I am pregnant right now but it's really early the chances of miscarriage are high at this point da, 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 da. yep um I don't know uh Kate did you also do fertility stuff no I did just, just the old-fashioned way I How guess just the old, as we say, the P and the V. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while with my first to get pregnant. And mm-hmm. then the second one was was that like, I guess we should try again. And then I was just like, oh, I'm pregnant. Look at this. I'm pregnant. It was that kind of thing. The first one was taking a while. Um, but yeah, I did not. So it's been really eye-opening to learn about because it's not a, it's not a conversation we have culturally mm-hmm. a lot of times. And I think just hearing people talk about their experience it helps other people understand one be better like a better support system and two just understand the challenges of fertility it's just not talked about same with same with miscarriage which I also have not gone through and obviously no one's under any pressure to share their experiences but I do think the more it's discussed the more people are able to kind of understand and understand the needs of women who are going through it yeah and it is so common that's what yes. sort of was shocking to me just based on the like there's no place to sit in the waiting room at my fertility clinic oftentimes like there's so many women dealing with it but I feel like and I don't know if it's just where I was in terms of what I was aware of or it's just what the conversation is I feel like the conversation often is just about preventing pregnancy it's just about safe sex that's at least that's what I thought I thought the second you stop trying to prevent it you get pregnant oh 100% that's what I thought too yeah. I don't even think I understood that I ovulated until I was like 28. I just thought like right. the second I went off birth control, I could get pregnant anytime. anytime. Well, because yeah. that's what they say. And maybe when you're a teenager, somehow magically that is the truth. Sure. I didn't realize how small the window of, of fertility actually is. Yeah. I've talked about this on Matt and Dory's Excellent Venture a couple of times at like sex education in this country is so bad. And I grew up in like a really progressive town. And still I feel like in fifth grade, we learned about periods. And then in eighth grade, we learned like, if you have sex, you'll get pregnant or die of AIDS. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and that was like kind of it. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of wild. Like, I feel like I learned so much in my late 30s. Mm-hmm. Same. About my reproductive system. Yes, totally. Um, which is just wild. Yeah. I- Oh, I was no, just going to say there was a the book I read, which I think is called Taking Charge or Taking Control of Your Fertility, where like you, I learned about your body temperature being a sign of ovulation mm. because also so much, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, and you guys know this firsthand, but if, if you're um, just trying to figure out your ovulation, you can spend money on the ovulation. St- like there's a whole um, cost component to a lot of this. Right. And so it can be very empowering to start to understand the cycle and the rhythm of your, of your body. Empowering and also fucking frustrating. Yeah. So where did the idea for Forever 35 come from? I mean, I texted Dory, do you want to make a podcast about skincare? And the response was a hearty all caps yes. I think we both had just together with each other and with other friends just been having a lot of conversations about, you know, you just like chat like any anybody. And and since I would say probably since I turned 34, the chatting has often been about like, does eye cream actually work? Like, should I be buying this? Do I even want to spend the money on this? What will it do for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I also started watching my face 
washing is that what you said yeah like in my mid to late 30s i finally started washing my face at night like you know you just started i feel like we started individually kind of having a little bit more of these self-care habits and wanted a place to talk about it did you just sleep in your makeup before yeah it was disgusting yeah. oh my god but i mean i, I just didn't want to deal with it i would yeah. be so tired no i, I understand i always am like when are they going to come up with peel off makeup like imagine yes. if you could just because when i'm the tired i don't polish we had as kids yes when i'm tired i do not I do, but I don't want to. No, no. And now I actually really enjoy the process. I think because we talk, we talk about it so much <laughs> that like that does feel like a really nice winding down experience. Mm-hmm. But I think we were just kind of both looking for a space to like take the conversations that were happening amongst us and our friends and just have them in front of microphones and share them with people and talk to women who we were interested in about how they care for themselves and nurture themselves mm-hmm. and what that looks like because it's different for everybody. So was that a deliberate choice to make the podcast about more than just serums and skincare about to make it about like how to deal with this time of life in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think that's partly why we called it, <clears throat> excuse me, forever 35. Which is such a good title. Thank you. The first time I saw it, I'm like, Oh, that's so clever. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek and I think also kind of highlighting this idea that, um, sort of like we were talking about with Glynis's book, like 35 is this age that women kind of fear that it's like some Rubicon that you cross. And then after you're 35, like everything goes to shit. And it's like, no, like these are the best years of our lives. Um, And we kind of wanted to talk about that and also use skincare as a way into just talking about self-care more generally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also a lot of the, um, podcasts or like beauty bloggers that I was reading um, were very aspirational, which was very nice, but it felt like I couldn't totally relate. And then also were a lot younger than me. Like there's a, there's a, a writer who I, who writes about skincare and makeup who I love, but like she's definitely like 24 <laughs> and I'm 39. I was, and I was just wanting to talk to other women my age a little bit more about like, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So here we are. So uh, let's talk about eye creams for a moment. But okay. first, Dory, do you need more crackers? Dory is very quietly eating crackers off mic. <laughs> yeah, that is so hard sick. to do, Dory, to not think. I have cracker in the so many more. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm okay for now. Okay, please let me know you if you need more. Thank you for checking in. I appreciate no it. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I'm fairly new to eye cream as well. Uh, However, now I do. There's I use one during the day and I use one at night sometimes. Mm-hmm. For different for different ne- like needs? Well, Well, the one I used during the day and it was just I think I I maybe I asked on Instagram or something and someone responded, "Try Kiehl's creamy avocado something mm, or other." People love that. Mm. I at first I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but what I like about it is that the reason I use that one in the daytime is because I can use it and then put on makeup and nothing moves around. Um, I did splurge on creme de la mer, the soft cream, mm. but I'm afraid to put it on my whole face because I'm afraid it'll make me break out. So I just use that as an eye cream at night. But one day I use that during the day and then like my makeup totally slid oh. down. Yeah. So uh, that one I only use at night. But anyway, what do you guys use and do you find that it helps. I mean, you must if you use it. Well, <laughs> I actually find eye cream to be a controversial subject. It is. Um, okay. I don't think I've ever, I've met like one person who's like, yes, this eye cream changed my eye. Totally. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if I actually have met many people who 
have evidence. Right. I mean, my eye problem, quote unquote, is dark circles. Same. And like a super rude woman at Nordstrom. (gasps) I was like looking at the different La Mer's um, because it was my birthday. I'm like, I'm going to spend too much money on something that I've been told is the same as Nivea if you get the one made in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, she's like, oh, well, you don't have any puffiness. You have dark circles. I I had the same experience uh, at that like beauty shop on Larchmont where the the, the man helping me was like, you've got some dark circles under your eye. And it's just like, okay, dude, I also have like fair skin. Yeah. I also, I'd like to hear what you think about this story. I don't, I don't understand how a cream can help you with dark circles since it's what's under your skin that's showing through. So I've talked to several dermatologists about this. They all say there's nothing you can really do about dark circles. Like there's no eye cream that will really help. Like I'd been using one by Neocutis for a while that my, a, a former dermatologist of mine was like, this one will help a little bit like she was just like you know most of them won't help at all this will help a little bit i couldn't really see a difference the way i cope with it is just by using a concealer yeah mm-hmm. i i tell you my favorite thing for my eyes is ice rolling my eyes and what is that i well i have a, a jade roller um but i also bought something called an ice roller on amazon which is bigger it's like this it literally just looks like almost like a paint roller for your mm-hmm. face and i keep it in my freezer and I roll it under my eyes and I just kind of, I, 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 it feels good, number one, which I feel like is the most important right. part of any of this. And then two, it just kind of depuffs my eyes, kind of hmm. tightens everything up. I do it after I put my products on because in my brain, I'm like, maybe this makes them more effective and soak into my skin. But I think just p- putting ice on your face might help the general area. And then concealer. Concealer is truly, I think, where if I were going to spend my money on eye cream or concealer, It'd be concealer. I never, uh, I don't use concealer often because I ha- I feel like I just haven't learned how to, how to use it correctly. Mm. Um, like if I have an on-camera appearance or something mm-hmm. and I do my makeup myself and then they touch me up, the first thing they always do is put concealer on. Oh, interesting. And then I look better, but I'm like, I don't know how to do it myself. But I, what I don't know how to do is use concealer if I'm not also wearing foundation. Do you oh. ever? Because I feel like that's a gl- uh, glossier thing. It's I like pretty just much concealer. stopped wearing foundation um, and I only wear concealer. I mean, I wear, I, I use some actually glossier like cream blush. Right. Because um, I'm looking at you right now and your skin is, is pretty smooth and flawless and like all the same color in it in the, in the way you. you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had been using Armani Luminous Silk Foundation. That's what I use, except I hardly ever put it on. But if I'm going to, that's what I use. Yeah. It's the best. And then I got to a point where I was like... I think a couple times I just I like didn't put it on during the day and I was like, oh, I actually look fine. You know? <laughs> um, and then I was like, why am I like spackling my face every right. day? Um, and then I just started using I just started wearing concealer and no foundation. And so just under your eyes? Or do, mm-hmm. you, is there, do you put it elsewhere? I, I have like I had a zit today. So I put it on my zit. Okay. But so pretty much just I pretty much just eyes. under my eyes. Yeah. Interesting. See, I would think that would totally, there'd be like a line of demarcation. And yet there is not with you. Mm, yeah. I you. also just do, will often just do concealer. I, I will just kind of make sure the under, my under eye area is like extra moist. Like mm-hmm. I'll put the eye cream on and so that the concealer kind of is a little bit, have a, it's like a smoother, because you know how sometimes it's like kind of, you're kind of shellacking it yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. What kind of concealer do you guys use? Um, well, right now I have this Becca under eye brightening stuff, which is what I've been mm-hmm. using. What else do I use? 
I have a Glossier. I have an RMS. This is, I've, I've accumulated <laughs> so many. Oh, it, I, it, um, it makeup or it or whatever it's called. That, that is great. Like dense pigmented. I don't know if pigment pigmented is the right word, but it's like a thick concealer that really just gets the job done. And you have a favorite. I use, um, benefit. Mm. Boing. <laughs> um, I received a sample of that a thousand years ago. It's called Industrial Strength Concealer. Yeah. I love it. Um, some people don't, but other people are also obsessed with it. So. I think I, well, mine might be dried out. I have a mm. problem with, you know how you're supposed to, you know, throw your makeup out every two weeks yeah. or whatever they say. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm exaggerating, but it, it's like pretty frequent yeah. and I don't do that at all. No, I do years. Yes, same. So my Boing is actually I remember where I got it I used to work at Time Out New York and I got it from the free bin at Time Out New York so I oh, so it's old <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's from like 2007 <laughs> I should probably throw it out but anyway my memory of it is that it's very very thick yeah how do you do you, you how do you smooth I it kind out of dab my finger mm-hmm. on it and then I I tap it onto my face and then I just sort of blend and that's I it I have to dig that i'm gonna yeah. have to blow the dust off i that one. use i use the number two shade you might use the number one shade yeah i don't know what i don't know what one i have in there i'm gonna go check it out Thank they also you. sell it at airports there's like benefit oh, vending yes. machines. i've seen that <laughs> that is amazing yeah so go on a trip i <laughs> book a ticket and then just stop off and grab yourself some concealer i have a trip coming up do there they have go. it at burbank they have these no um, i don't yes oh they, they do, do? Mm-hmm. oh wow i that just airport flew is i up. just flew out of burbank and i remember being like wow they have a benefit vending machine i just say a makeup skincare vending machine is actually quite handy yeah it like, really is you get in there you might have forgotten something or you didn't want to bring it through tsa you just go to that vending machine totally a great idea have you guys been um surprised at, at the popularity of the podcast yeah yes I still am having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that anybody is hearing what we say, which is why I talked freely about my hemorrhoids and then was like, oh, (laughs) 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 oh, leave a listen to this. Yeah, it's been really it's been it's incredibly moving to have people respond to something that you do. It's so cool. Yeah, I mean. It's so because because excellent venture is so personal. I think I've gotten used to just kind of talking mm. about personal stuff. But Forever Thirty Five is such a it's it's a much broader audience. Um, and so I'm I've been I've gotten used to people like pouring their hearts out to me about infertility. But now it's like it's it's really amazing to have all these people just emailing us like about their lives. Um, it does feel really rewarding. And we get a lot of emails from people who are like, you guys changed my life. Like before I started listening to your podcast, like, you know, I wasn't taking care of myself or I, you inspired me to go to therapy or you inspired me to get hemorrhoid suppositories. Yes. <laughs> Fix those butts. <laughs> um, and that's just like, yeah, that's a really nice feeling. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Gives me like a real gooey, warm inside feeling. <laughs> um, I didn't hear you talking about your hemorrhoids, well, so I do need to ask what what are the suppositories? Look, Fill me in. I had come. I've to, never shoved anything up my butt, even though I joke about it all the time. It is. It does take a, like a if if that's not something you've done before. It, it does like that's that's where you got to go. 
But I just had been living with hemorrhoids since I had my second daughter. It had been four years. And I was like, oh, I guess this is just my life now that I'm in constant itching irritation and trying not to do like show it in public. And then one day, what does was, that mean? Like covert butt scratching? Covert maneuvers? butt scratching, or like it not, I mean, I and I had the wipes. I had like the preparation H mm-hmm. wipes. I had the preparation H cream, and it just wasn't helping. And I was, I don't know why I didn't go see a doctor. Like I just had this weird, like resolute, like, well, this is it now. And so my first tip of advice would be like, go to your doctor. I don't know why I didn't do that. Which but, doctor? I think you're that's either your OB or your primary care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, or just go to any anyone who can check that out for you um, because you shouldn't be living with discomfort or pain like that. And then what happened for me is I was just at Costco, which is my number one favorite store and buying my bulk preparation H wipes, which I still love. And there was just a box of preparation H. I think it literally said suppositories and it did not click in my brain that I was going to be putting them (laughs) up my butt until I got home where God, did you think you- I truly I honestly was just like oh another preparation H thing <laughs> I'm gonna grab it why not and then I got home you know I was like doing my stuff in the bathroom and opened it up and they're like they're, they're packaged almost like they're in this silver foil so they look like little bullets and then you have to open them up and you just pop it in and I did that for you know after a month but after like a month of doing it every night it really made it, it cured the problem. Wow! Yeah, it, it was it was so eye opening to me. And then I and then I was like, why did I sit literally sit with this problem for so long and not take care of myself? It made me feel really honestly like very sad for myself that it never dawned on me to like seek care. Mm-hmm. That I was just like troll a lot, and I was so I was incredibly uncomfortable incredibly uncomfortable so I, I highly recommend them they may not work for everybody um and again if you're at costco you can buy them in bulk and i have gone through like it wasn't just that first pack and i now like travel with them and stuff just in case in case those roids come back because <laughs> they're always there lurking now i will say dory did just tell me on the podcast where we discussed this to just shove the hemorrhoid <laughs> back into my butt oh yeah i've heard about that yeah which i did not i was i can't i'm too scared to do that but I didn't need to, thanks to these suppositories. Wait, now why? Why are you afraid to do that? But you're not afraid to put a, something else up your butt. I, the thought of, for just the thought of, the thought of pushing a little. Boy, this is going <laughs> going to a place I didn't know we'd go to. <laughs> pushing a suppository inside me is one thing. The thought of getting really intimate with a hemorrhoid, I just, I don't even want to. I just can't. You know, there's a line for me, and it is fondling my hemorrhoids. <laughs> I'm gonna let somebody else deal with those. Okay. But thankfully, sense. I don't need to. Yeah. But you know, like, it, there's a lot of shit women and and men, too. I don't want to discriminate. And anybody who identifies as non-binary, anyone on the mm-hmm. spectrum, we're all going through things that we don't address. We just yeah. we just accept them as part of our lives, our, our quirks, whatever. And I think, like, self-care to me is, like, to, you know, like, I recently was like, I got to go get my pap smear. Like, I have to go to the doctor and care for myself. And sometimes it's very hard to make yourself to do those things. So in this kind of conversation that Dory and I have every week on the podcast, for me, like the greatest realization is just like self-care, even though the eye creams are a nice part of it, really, it's like going to bed on time, making my doctor's appointments and like forcing myself to open bills. And that when I do those things, I'm in a much better place than when I let those build up. I am bad about opening stuff. Oh, it's an ing- it's such an anxiety ridden experience right 
It's also, how are you with listening to voicemails? Now, it's not a common problem anymore. Oh, no, I can't. I have eight sitting on my phone right now. <laughs> it's weird. Do you have a problem with I voicemails? I don't really listen to voicemails. Although, oh, now, you don't? You just choose not to? Well, I, I read the transcripts. Oh, my f- stupid phone. I don't know why it stopped giving me the transcripts. Oh, oh yeah, no. I'm Those transcripts to, are... I know. It was. I loved having them. And then it just, something happened and it stopped. I, it hmm. was like some, like I don't know if I updated. I think it was an update or something. Yeah, I got to get him back. I got to call six one one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a weird thing I think with avoidance. Mm-hmm. Avoidance is part of anxiety, and then with the avoidance, you start to look at how long you've been avoiding it, and you're like, I can't. Like, if say somebody like sent you an email and you didn't reply after a week. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's been a week. Now I look like a total shithead. So I can't reply. And then mm-hmm. that goes on for months. And then you your anxiety about it grows because you haven't replied. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know if anybody else spirals that no, way, but course. that's kind of my where I exist in that space. I never got my friend a wedding gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in New York at the time and I flew out to her wedding in California. This is like over 10 years ago. And I was poor at the time. So I was like, my gift is my presence, <laughs> which is like having now been on the other side of it. It's like, okay, but we also like a real gift would be nice. Too. <laughs> um, but I, in, you know, I intended to get her a gift because you have that year, which I think is like a, such a double edged sword. Um, and then the year passed and then I, and I like, I was thinking about it yesterday, how bad I feel about it. And, and how many years has it been? Um, it's been nine or ten. Do you have the means to send something now? Yes. Oh, do it. Just do it. Yes. They'll Although, be so thrilled. She came to my wedding and didn't, and ours was a destination wedding too, and didn't get us anything. So I feel like a little bit maybe that was like it's now we're even. Yeah. But at the same time, I still get her a ten-year like anniversary s- gift. Yes. Yeah, and you can even just say a note like. I always have like I've thought about this yeah. like four times a week for ten years now. Yeah, and I want to sell. I want <laughs> yeah. you to know how much I care about you, and and I'm so happy. And I've, and happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. do it. And you'll it will make you feel better, and I bet it will bring a lot of joy to them. Okay. And no one, I doubt. Like if I if I think about it from my own perspective, I wouldn't be like, wow, this gift really makes reminds me of how she never got me right. a gift. No, I think <laughs> it would just be like I doubt she thinks about it every day you know but it's funny how or like i'll have emails i need to respond to that i've been putting off and i'll just be in sort of a a crappy mood and then i'll send them and all of a sudden my mood will lift and i'm like oh i didn't realize how much that was weighing on me yeah Mm -hmm. that's how i feel about like putting laundry away yeah where it's like sitting there and i'm resenting it and it's stressing me out and then when it takes i do it for 20 minutes and i'm like oh that's all it took well, I learned my lesson and then I never learned my lesson. How are you guys with clutter? And at, oh. I should say we're recording in the middle of a super messy room, but my listeners know that like I'm really bad with clutter. Clutter is a, a massive part of your identity for me. <laughs> yeah. And my identity. I'm an, I'm a naturally disorganized. Both my husband and I are not organized people. Mm-hmm. We're not um, like on the hoarding side of the spectrum, but neither of us are like neat freaks. I am a cluttered person. My husband is a an extremely cluttered person. So now in our relationship, I'm the organized one, quote unquote. And I'm like... Also, your husband's a collector, right? Like yeah. he has passions. He has so much stuff. <laughs> and like, it just seems to multiply. 
you know, and like male and like, I just feel like we can never get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. So yes, but you have been getting rid of items in your closet, which I admire. I have. Yeah. Um, I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff from my closet. I've sold a lot of stuff. Um, and that feels really good. And I, I also did a, when I, when I quit my full-time job in February, I did a big, um, clean out of my office and that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Like I was going through boxes of like, I found canceled checks from like 1997. Oh my God. I was like, what am I doing? Like, why do I have these? And you like, but I moved have, with those. Yes, like I have 10 like times. That too. I don't know why, but I just feel like maybe I'll need it. No, I, I, bought, I bought a good shredder off Amazon mm-hmm. and I shredded so much shit. I mean, like, you actually don't need your tax returns from 2001. What? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, what is the cutoff for when you should how many years back should you say I think it's five okay um I think I think they can only audit you I think three years but they but then it's like if they suspect you of wrongdoing they can audit you anytime but like yeah I was like I don't need these you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like from the years that I made like twenty thousand dollars and it's it was 20 years ago (laughs) right you know i just i just don't need this stuff but i had i'd been carrying it with Mm -hmm. me in just like boxes that i was like oh yeah this is stuff like what you have a um account called slow close you have an instagram account can you explain what that is yeah so about a year ago i got really obsessed with the idea of trying not to buy fast fashion um and what is fast fashion fast fashion is like forever 21 zara h&m anything that produces clothes really cheaply um like is always coming out with new clothes Mm. basically anything that encourages you to buy a lot of stuff and um i was like i don't really want to support companies that have bad labor practices it's also i don't want to accumulate all this stuff. Um, a lot of it's not well made. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to try and buy mostly like ethical and sustainably made clothes. Um, and slow fashion is something that people talk about as being like these, you know, the opposite of fast fashion. So, um, so I started doing that and kind of chronicling my journey. Um, and, I've gotten to the point where I really, I try not to buy fast fashion. I never shop at Forever 21 or Zara or H&M. I will occasionally shop at like Madewell. Mm. Um, and for a while I wasn't. And then I was like, I need a new pair of jeans. You know what I mean? Like I, I realized I had to be a little bit practical about it, but I've definitely gotten a lot more mindful of like where I'm spending my money. You have, um, there's a character in Startup that has a online shopping addiction. Yes. Is that something that you have battled? Not to the extent that she has. Um, in my book, this woman, like she's like hiding stuff from her husband. She's deep in credit card debt. Um, no, but I do feel like I had, I, I kind of mindlessly shopped both online and IRL. Like, oh, I'll just browse here on the J Crew website. Mm. And, you know, next thing I know, I've spent $200. And, you know, and I just was like, I don't need to do that. Like, what do I actually need? And then I started thinking about what do I actually wear? And 
it was pretty eye-opening. And I definitely feel like I have a ways to go, but I think I've like gotten better. Mm -hmm. I've also gotten more ruthless about getting rid of stuff that I'm not wearing. I need to do that. I like we're moving and I don't want to bring a bunch of stuff I don't want with me. Yeah. Moving is a great time to purge. Do you have time between now and your move? I do. I just get paralyzed when I think about starting. Invite a friend over to do it because it's really helpful to have someone to be like, no. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And I think you need... um, like an end because I always start the purge and then I leave it half finished and then yes. I just like live in the purge for right. three months and like just walking over clothes on the ground so if you kind of if you did just like one drawer instead of doing like my whole set of drawers mm-hmm. that's what I have found help as I make the project really tiny and just kind of chip away um Kate I have yes. a overarching motherhood question for oh, you gosh. which is how has having kids can you talk about like your journey with having kids and identity and that kind of stuff? Because I found um, it, I had a tough, I mean, I, I love my son, but I had a tough time all of a sudden having an infant yeah. and I just didn't realize somehow I didn't realize how that was going to change my life and change my ability to like do all sorts of tiny things, like even send an email or anything like that. And I remember other new moms who are a little further along reassuring me like things will re- things you know y- your life will still be there when you're when you get through this uh, phase and it's true it really has happened but it took me a while like it's just been it's been like a crazy ad- uh, adventure is the wrong word it's been a crazy experience yeah um and yeah so I'm wondering now you have older kids are a I bit do, older yeah. what has it been like for you Well, I think to start, I mean, the first thing to know about me is that my mom died when I was 27 and that kicked in two things. One, I was like, oh shit, I want to have kids. And two, I also had this, I have a little bit of like a ticking clock in my brain Mm -hmm. because she died when she was like 56. So I had that feeling of like, I better do this. Totally irrational. But you know, and like when you're when you're dealing with the things that kind of keep you up at night, that's always in the back of my head. So I, when I was 30, I got pregnant with my first daughter and it kind of coincided as with my career really taking off for the first time in my life. I had really kind of floundered figuring out what I was really drawn to. And when I, I got a great job and I was really like hitting my stride and then my daughter was born and I like I spent my maternity leave kind of grieving the fact that I wasn't at work. Mm-hmm. Like I really missed. Was that when you were at VH1? I was working at VH1. Um, I felt like I was missing out on things. It was, it was really hard. And I would be in like my mother support group and other women were crying about having to go back to work. And I was like, get me the fuck back to work. Like I, I missed, I loved it so much. And it was a little bit different with my second child. I was just in a different place. I had a different experience, but what I've kind of had to learn is how to maintain that side of the things that I care about that are important to me as a person uh, as a as a professional or you know just as like a human maintaining those things and then also like ma- what's important to me as a mom because I really that is also you know speaking about my mom dying like I wanted to be a mother that my relationship with my daughters is is number one to me mm. um, and so the way I kind of feel about it all is just just a constant juggling and it's never it is it does get it does get easier in terms of like exhaustion and your and getting your kind of time back as they Mm -hmm. get older it gets harder because 
their issues get harder as they get older. You're now helping them figure out confidence, self-esteem, interpersonal relationships, friendships, you know, real tough, tough stuff. So it's like, it's all freaking exhausting and it's all hard. I don't think having a a toddler is easier or harder than having a 12 year old or or whatnot. So a minor seven and five. Um, So I don't know if I answered your question. It's just, it's a constant juggle. And like last night, my daughter was mad at me. She wanted me, she wanted me to do something. And I was like, well, I have to, I have to work right now for 20 minutes and then I will come and you, and we'll do our reading, like our bedtime reading together. And I think I forget exactly what she wanted me to do. But it was like, look, sometimes I'm going to have to choose this other thing. And other times you like my kids come first. Mm. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't make me sound like a monster, but it's just is like I want them to also see like I am a person who works and writes things and does things. Um, Did you? I hope I don't sound like a total asshole. No, you you don't sound like an asshole at all. Um, Did you feel guilty about how much you wanted to get back to work? Oh, a hundred. I feel guilty every freaking day. I feel I feel like I've destroyed my children in a hundred different ways. And it gives me such empathy for my own parents who I think also felt that way. Like one thing I do think about having children, it's made me so, understand my parents so much more. Mm. And I feel deeply sad that I can't like tell my mom like, oh, I get it now. But <laughs> I try to do it with my dad, although I still I still make him nuts. Um, but I do I feel so guilty and like and by I, the way i'm not saying you should i'm just saying no that's it's that it's a nor I, I had it's we're culturally conditioned to feel guilty mm-hmm. number one we have a numerous different pressures on us culturally for mothers telling us no matter what choice you make whether right. it's to stay at home whether it's work whether it's having five kids whether it's having one kid you should feel bad about your decision right. formula feeding breastfeeding uh, unmedicated birth medicated birth. it's just you cannot win so um I say that like if you have felt guilty about something know that like one that's totally okay but also like you have the right to push back on that feeling Mm -hmm. because um, I do spend a lot of time feeling guilty but I also do feel like my children are well-adjusted kind sassy human beings so I think I'm doing something right and you know I do take them to hip-hop dance every Thursday (laughs) so we are there is a balance I think I don't know it's so it's really hard it's hard it's hard and you feel like you do lose yourself a lot of time and I think mm-hmm. you have to pull yourself back like a, a couple months ago our friend during our friend Danielle asked us what shows we were watching and I was like oh I don't I don't have a show I haven't made time in my life for a show so then I'd been binge watched Handmaid's Tale which is probably the <laughs> not the like best pendulum swing but <laughs> you know so it's like reminding yourself to like make time for for you I, yeah again I'm rambling but no I've, I mean I I was uh exercising the other day and I wanted to put some music on on my my phone and I just scrolled and it's just like all kids music dude and that's like all like this stupid song from Sesame Street and it's not a Sesame Street song it's like a well no I mean I guess it is a Sesame Street song it's not one from when I was a child but it's like a new Sesame it's just stuck in my head constantly and I want it out <laughs> I, I I had an off a moment like that recently where I went to listen to my Spotify Discover Weekly mix mm-hmm. and it was all like show tunes and kids bop because <laughs> that's my life and I was like oh god I gotta I need my own Spotify account because these kids are just rocking out to Greatest Showman and like I need my own musical identity but yeah it starts to seep in yeah. but also I think like my husband and I have gotten our kids really into the Beatles 
Mm. Like I do think if you introduce your things to them, I even right. got one of my daughters even likes my favorite band fish, which oh, wow. is the ultimate accomplishment. Good job. Thank you, Dory. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I do think, you know, I, there, um, Matt Loglin, I don't actually know how to say his last name. He, he was, he blogged a lot. Um, yeah, because, he is. I know his wife. Yes. And his first wife passed away right. right after childbirth. And so I was following him online. And I remember like he, when his daughter was a toddler, he got her very into iron and wine because that's what mm. he liked to listen to. And that has always stuck with me of like, you can play regular music for your kids. Right. I mean, do I always do that? No. <laughs> kids bop is, you know, a compromise. Right. Um, I want to tell you guys, cause you were talking about teen magazine, not teen magazines. We're talking about 17 and YM and sassy and teen. Um, I wrote, only one article, but I did write an article for Seventeen magazine. Wow! Mm-hmm. Do you have it still? When you were a teen? No, okay. no, it was later. Okay. Um, and what was it about? It was about Christian music festivals. Oh. They, I lived in New York, and they sent me to New Hampshire to cover the Inside Out Music Festival. And I interviewed Katy Perry before she was Katy Perry. Oh my god, that gosh. was very cool. Um, but. I don't, I don't, I don't have like a juicy story or anything. However, my first draft started. So I came from OC Weekly and alternative journalism. And I mean, I had written for a lot of magazines, but when I was, I I think I started in like a very OC Weekly kind of way to start the story. So I interviewed this boy who, um, he had sex, he was a teenager and he felt so bad about it that he laid in front of a bus and he decided if God wants me, he'll take me. And then he woke up like in the gutter or something. So that's how I started. And they're just like, this is that we're like, we're hundred percent not going with this lead. Um, it's, I don't know that they said this, but like my interpretation of that decision was like, A, it's way too intense and B, it's about a boy and it's got to be something about a teenage girl that we start with. So they were very clear on who their audience was. That makes sense. Yeah. They truly raised me, those teen magazines. Because mm-hmm. we didn't have an inter- have the internet really until yeah. like 10th or 11th grade. And even right. then it was still kind of, you know, like no man's land. Which, was it teen magazine that had asked Jill and asked Jack? It was their advice column. Oh, I don't remember. remember. This might have been a little bit before you guys were reading them. Um, Because I remember that because you were talking about the uh, the embarrassing stories being Mm -hmm. made up. And I always wondered if the advice questions were made up. And I remember when I used to read, I think it was Teen Magazine, um, the more embarrassing one. When I used to read that, like that was the first, for some reason, that's always where I went first. And like that would never be where I would go first now. There is a great, if you ever want like real advice or letters for from teens, Judy Bloom has a whole book. I think it's called Letters to Judy. I read it when I was like in elementary oh, school. I need to read this. Of um, all the letters that teens have, kids have written her and then her responses. Oh my God. And it is, and you know, in some really dark, hard stuff. And it is so good. I have chills just thinking about it. I just shaped my youth, but and I looked recently on Amazon to find it used, and it's still out there. But I need to read it that. Is I feel good. like Judy Bloom raised me, but not totally. Beverly Cleary. I had no use for Beverly Cleary. Did you? Oh, guys? interesting. I read Ramona books. Yeah, me yeah. too. Pretty into it. I don't know why. I, I just definitely didn't like them, but I did love Judy Bloom. You went straight to what is it? Cat? What's it? Not out. Tiger eyes. Tiger eyes. <laughs> Cat eyes. Yeah. No, I think I started with. Uh, 
Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret, mm-hmm. and then Classic. read all the other ones. So we have a question. We have a couple questions okay. uh, that listeners sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. Patreon. You can subscribe. There's different reward levels, uh, and you can get bonus episodes, and I do a live stream sometimes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can also submit questions for my guests. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Okay, Whitney C. says What has been the best haircut of their lives? Ooh Whoa, that's a good one Great question Whitney C., this is Kate, for me In 2008, after I got married I had long hair at my wedding I went to my hairdresser with a picture of Katie Holmes's bob that she got after dating Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I got that haircut. And my hairdresser did an amazing job. And that's the that was the best. And then what happened is I ruined it by going shorter and shorter into territory I didn't belong in for mm-hmm. my face shape. But why did you go like were you just feeling like you wanted shorter I think and when shorter? you start cutting you kind of you feel like the only solution is to keep cutting it. Right. Um, but that bob, and I think Katie Holmes is back to that bob. I think she re-got it recently. It's a classic. It's such a good cut. It's so beautiful. Anyways, that was my that was probably my best look. Mine was probably around like 2010, 2011. Oh. I had a hairdresser in New York who I loved, who just like got my hair mm. and made it do things that like, I was like, this is my hair? What? <laughs> um, and I've never, I've gone to several different hairdressers in LA who are all fine um but no one has been able to do what thomas did have you ever thought about like flying back to new york i did contemplate it (gasps) what salon was he at or does he ever come out he had his own salon thomas thomas heinz thomas franz something like something german (laughs) um and yeah one time i was in new york and i tried to make an appointment with him and then he was like out of town and i was oh, like no i know Thomas. i know um but yeah that would be the dream like if i ever get really rich i'm just gonna mm-hmm. you know fly in my private jet back to thomas have him do my hair and then fly home yeah i haven't found a person that i if anyone who's touched my hair is listening sorry i haven't found my person out here yeah i mean for a while i was going to someone and i had extensions um which i liked but at the end of the day i don't know that they made that much of a difference Mm. and they're expensive to maintain um so i stopped going to her and you know it's just sort of like meh how much do you feel extensions when they're in I think when you first have them put in, you're, you're, you like notice them and then you don't really notice them. The only time you really notice them is when you're like putting your hair up, mm-hmm. at least because the ones I had were on the sides of my head um, and they were just kind of make it look a little fuller. I wasn't going for length. Um, but when you put your hair up on a ponytail, you kind of have to make sure that you're not like exposing them. Right. And how were they attached? Tape. Interesting. Yeah. I always, I, I dream of potentially fuller extensioned mm-hmm. hair. I've never had it. It seems like it would be fun. It's fun, but like you have to pay for the hair. Right. Mm. Paying for it. And then <laughs> you have to you have to get them put in again every six weeks. And is it oh, the really? same thing? Like they that. take them out and put the same ones back in or are they new yeah, ones? Yeah, they wash them. Oh my gosh. And then if you get a haircut, they'll put them back in the same place. But if you don't, they have to adjust them because your hair, your natural hair has grown, but the extensions obviously haven't grown. Yeah, so that is a lot. It's a lot. Is it weird washing them? 
No, you can again, like you kind of just get used to them being Mm. in your, in your head. You have to like one of those braided embroidery floss hair wraps in Europe and left it in for many months. (laughs) Totally. I think I still have it somewhere with Um, the hair in it. And you have to blow dry your hair. You can't like, Mm. you can't like leave the house with wet hair extensions. Why? Something about the way they, is it the weight or the way they dry? I think it's the weight, the way they dry. Like it's not good for your scalp. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They just told me to blow dry. Right. Well, it sounds like a whole thing. It was a whole thing, and I don't have them anymore. So do you guys have people you like out here, though? I'm taking suggestions. I have a person I like. Do I love him? No, but I like him. Um, I mean, I know that you have appointments every 12 weeks, thanks to Finn. <laughs> thanks Bean. to Finn. <laughs> Finn. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Finn. Um, yeah, I can give you his name. Okay. Um, all right. And Colleen Marie says... This is related to a conversation on excellent adventure. So understand if she doesn't want to answer this on a Forever 35 podcast. Well, but this is Alison Rosen as your new best friend, but I listen to both. It sounds like Dory is not a fan of the Disney food blog, but does she like, this is, I'm going to need some background, but does she like Disney? Is it better than Vegas? P.S. They are totally right about the Kat Von D liner. It doesn't move ever. So my favorite good call. Hey. Um, Kat Von D is, is a little problematic now though. I know. She's kind of been a little problematic for a while. Yeah. Hasn't she? But Wait, now what's her, what's she's going on an right anti-vaxxer. Now? Oh yes. And a lot of people who were fans of her makeup have stopped yeah. supporting her makeup. Wait, line. why was she problematic before? I don't, I don't know. Was she not? For so, like I'm like there's sort of a a Venn diagram of Kat Von D and anti-Semitism. And, oh oh no. yeah. Didn't she date someone who was think, anti-Semitic? Was, did she date? Jesse, whatever his yes, name was. Okay, I think that's, that's what, what it is yeah, then. That's what it and is. he, did he collect Nazi regalia? That or sounds he familiar. had a photo of himself like in a something not okay Yeah, outfit. I think he's like a, a a white supremacist. Okay, yeah. That's what it is then. Yeah. Wow, I missed this. So she's just, uh, hey, we've all dated jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe not that level. Um, right. So the background on Colleen Marie's question, which also thank you for listening to so many of my podcasts. Um, my husband, Matt, is very into Disney, and he's also very into YouTube. So where though where that Venn diagram intersects mm-hmm. is the world of Disney YouTube, Disney YouTubers, and there's one called Disney Food Blog, which is most of their videos are hosted by a woman named AJ. And she just goes around the park and she, you know, she evaluates all the food and she'll, you know, she'll do like top resort food top like whatever she just does it all does aj have a background in the culinary world or is she just a a gal who started a food video channel we went to disney in when were we there march yeah it was this year we were there in march disneyland disney world okay matt's parents live in orlando so we kind of combined it with a trip to see them and before we went we like I watched some, I'm not a super Disney person. I like it, but I'm not like super into it. But I was like, okay, I'll watch some Disney food blog videos. Like maybe we'll find like the secret best food at Disney. And so we went by a lot of her recommendations and most of them were horrible. <laughs> and then you called her out on Excellent Adventure. And so now it's become this like running bit where Matt will like play parts of AJ's videos and like talk about how wrong she is um and then like of course the 
the the like we went to a character breakfast at the contemporary at <laughs> chef mickey's and we were both like this is this is actual good food like especially for like a breakfast buffet this is good what does aj hate that the <gasps> breakfast buffet at chef mickey's she's like this buffet is horrible blah blah, blah. Oh we're gosh. like oh my god she's wrong she has everything. never she has never had a good meal <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that is the that is the sitch do you like but you like disney that the colleen marie was wanted to know make sure that you still like disney even if you don't like the disney food blog yes is it better than vegas i mean oh right is it better than vegas it's different i think also like i have sort of just because i'm not a huge disney person myself like i've sort of reached the limit of enjoying disney by myself as an adult you mean like until you have a kid? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's not that fun for me. It's really crowded. Mm-hmm. It's hot. It's like the food's not that good. Like, <laughs> um, And Matt was really into it for a while. And so I would go with him, but he's kind of cooled on it lately too. And I think we're both sort of like, okay, it'll be more fun when we have mm-hmm. a kid to kind of like see it through their eyes. It used to be that there, I'm not an expert but it seemed that there were days where it wasn't that crowded. And I feel like now sort of like the freeways in California, mm-hmm. like it's crowded all the time. Disneyland. I've never been to Disneyland when it wasn't at like 92% capacity. Yeah. Um, and Disney world when we went, it was, I remember it was like crowded for the first few days. And then the last day we were there was the first day of South Florida spring break. Mm. And like, you could not, move in the park like you couldn't move and i was like this is actual hell like get me out of here um so yeah and do you love vegas i do enjoy vegas i used to i still like it but the last time i was there i had no desire to gamble yeah it was weird Mm -hmm. um but i did see two cirque du soleil shows so that was fun Mm. i still had a good time but i don't know i don't know i don't think it's my place yeah what do you love about it um I like how easy it is. Like I actually spent four days there by myself when I was working on my book. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What um, did you say? I stayed at the Cosmo. Like it was the middle of the week. There was no convention. The rooms were super cheap. So I was just like in this really nice hotel room for my, by myself for four days. I would like go to the pool in the morning. There wasn't, there weren't that many people at the pool. Mm-hmm. I would sit in the shade. I would work on my book. Then I would like have lunch by the pool in the afternoon, I would like go to the gym and then I'd work on my book a little bit more. And then oh, that sounds so nice. There, this sounds so nice. Yeah. And then at the Cosmo, I don't know if they still do this, but during the week, all the restaurants at the Cosmo had a happy hour mm-hmm. where you could go and get like $10 um, dishes. And so I would sit at like STK and mm. eat dinner for like $15. And then I would play blackjack for a couple hours. And I was like, this is a great day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really fun. I like I also like the spas in Vegas. Um, I like playing blackjack. I'm not a huge gambler, but my husband is, and so that's always like a little bit of a challenge when we go because he just wants to gamble. What's and his game? He plays slots, video poker, and sports betting. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah. Wow, I don't think I've ever met someone who's super into slots. I feel like slots I know it's are like an most... old it's like an old yeah. person game, but he like <laughs> really loves slots. I will say this about Vegas: it, you can get you can have a nice vacation for a lot less than the price of a similar nice room at a place that's not Vegas. Yes, totally. 
especially if you go at like a weird, like we were looking at going at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and the rooms are so cheap. Yeah, we once went at Thanksgiving and it was insane. Yeah, it's empty. How's yeah. vacationing with kids, Kate? Oh, it's a fuck. It's a journey. It is a thing. <laughs> We've it's never gone any. I have so many friends. I wouldn't. Like mommy and me friends who've taken their kids on planes a thousand times. We've never traveled with Elliot. I think I think it's easy when they're really little because mm-hmm. you can kind of just feed them the whole time and bounce them. And then it's easier when they're my, my kid's age because right. you can just iPad them into oblivion. <laughs> Your children, child, excuse me you're at like the hardest time because right. they want to move and they don't have like an attention span to read a book. You and know they also I mean? don't really understand the no. like, we have to sit here and yeah. I, I don't, I, I think unless you're like really going to, cause you need to, I, I think going within driving distance for a va- family mm. vacation or not saving your money and not going right now. It depends on like your lifestyle. Some people love to travel with their kids. You know, I have friends who bring their kids everywhere. We've done we we've done it, um, but it didn't get really like fun until mm-hmm. they were like three and five. Right. I'm also a person who likes to sleep in, or the option of sleeping in on vacation, and yeah. so traveling with kids, it's like, well, you can't do that. No. Again, when they're older, right. And then you can be like, go watch the TV, <laughs> or I mean, go play a board game. You know, yeah, either one. Um. Yeah, my husband is very afraid of screen time, and I'm very not. Yeah. So that is a fun tension in our marriage that's that's a hard one we my husband and i are luckily on the same page about that where where how do you where do you guys we do tv on the weekends my kids don't use ipads unless we're traveling Mm -hmm. um we don't watch youtube but like i do let them watch like you know friday afternoon counts as the weekend and they can watch tv in friday afternoon and then some of the mornings or we'll have like a family movie night Mm -hmm. um because i don't think it's bad to like veg out and enjoy the tv it's just kind of the every day during the week i just don't even i don't even consider it they ask every afternoon but i say no oh that makes me feel better then the reason it makes me feel better is because as soon as elliot gets up from his nap he goes elmo oh elmo elmo and which I assume is because I've let him watch Elmo too much. But so to know that even when you don't let them, they oh, still want Guaranteed it. today my kids are going to get in the car and be like, um, Mom, I know you're going to say no, but <laughs> could please watch an episode. And I'm going to say no, and then they're going to pout. But yeah, I don't because t- TV, honestly, for my kids, it, it changes their personality. How so? Makes them into like little jerks. <laughs> it really does. I mean, it really does. It, it really is That's a little. Yeah. And, and I think iPads can be wonderful. It's just not, it's just not where we're, we're, we're just not using them. Why do you think it makes them into jerks? I truly don't. I mean, I know I'm kind of an asshole after I stare at my phone for a long period mm-hmm. of time. You know what I mean? I just think it, I don't know. They get kind of addicted to it. Right. Well, and, that I've definitely, I mean, we don't let him play with a phone. Yeah. Because he, it's, it's like crack. Um, I do let him watch Sesame Street or I'll put it, I'll allow it to be on in the background, but my husband would rather we're, we don't even do that. Yeah. It's hard though. It's like, if you need to take a shower, you know, right. I don't know. I kind of, you just kind of have to pick your, make your choices. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Now let's do just me or everyone, which is where, Ooh, uh, listeners wait. write in with things they think or do. And they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And then we weigh in. And say whether we also do these things or think these things. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? 
Chico IT guy says, sign up for the cheapest with commercials level of Hulu. Mute and look away from the commercials. I should not have to watch any commercials if I'm paying for the service. Well, I kind of... Hulu used to be a sponsor, but they haven't come on in years. So I are, are they a sponsor for you no, guys? No, they are not. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I feel a little bit like you shouldn't have any commercials. Wait, I don't have you commercials do. on my Hulu account. Is it only with the unpaid that you have commercials? I've, I thought you have commercials at both levels. It's just that when you pay, you get access to more programming. I could be wrong, though. It's been a long time. I just been watched binged Handsmaid's Tale with no commercials. Okay. It was like watching it on demand. Well, wait, where did Handsmaid? That's Hulu. That's where they originally aired? Yeah. I forgot about that. Original program. All right. I don't know what to tell Chico, Chico IT, IT guy. guy. I, I do get it. Like I was watching Bachelor in Paradise on the ABC app. Mm-hmm. And when the commercials would run, I would like ignore them. Yeah. And be like, you don't deserve me. Right. And it's also like... Th- it feels like five minutes of commercials oftentimes. Yes. It is. After like two minutes of a show. Yes. yes. Yeah. And then if you try to rewind or fast forward, you're in commercial hell again. And yes. it's the same commercials oftentimes. Let's talk about Handmaid's Tale for a moment. Mm. I couldn't get past. However, I it was like too much for me. Um, it's but, a hard show to watch. Yeah. That's I mean, I guess that's all I have to say. about. No, it. no. It, it, <laughs> I totally agree. And after like three episodes, I was like, can I do this? But you and did. then I stuck with it. I'm so glad I did. It's an incredible show. Does it get easier to watch? No, it gets harder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I think glad I, with my decision. Story has. I decided I was not going to watch it. How far did you get? I didn't start. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh. I was like, I you know, I read the book. Right. Um, and I was like, given everything I've been going through, <laughs> right? It's not. It's I just smart. Don't think this is the show for me right now. Yeah, I think that's smart. Totally. Yeah, I think I watched one or two episodes and then I started reading the recaps, even though I knew I couldn't handle watching oh, that's it. Funny. And it, like that was also hard for me. Funny thing, though, is that I don't know. I forget what I was saying, but I said to my therapist, did you watch Handmaid's Tale? And I forget if she said yes or no, but she's like, you, you have no idea how many times that's come up in this <gasps> room. <laughs> and wow. she specializes in postpartum women. Wow. Um, so that's amazing. That's amusing. Okay. Emily says, if there's an internet form which requires numbers only, credit card number, phone number, etc., why doesn't it automatically bring up the number pad instead of the QWERTY? Is this lazy programming? Yes, I get frustrated with that as well. But oh, like when you're on your phone? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Good yeah, point, you. Emily. Yeah, Emily. <laughs> Sarah Simmons says, okay, this one I also did with Nikki Glazer. However, I, I, feel, like, Glazer. I feel like... You guys, I'm curious to hear what your response is. Just mirror everyone. When I get a new lip gloss, I automatically have to clean out my purse. I don't have this at all. Oh, I don't either. Wow. I wish I I don't have it. Just you. (laughs) It might be just Just you. Just you. I mean, but what a great thing for you to have. Right. I would be buying a lip gloss every week if that's what it took. Same. Yeah. My purse is a disaster. How are your purses? Oh, it's... I mean, it's this. It's a nightmare. That actually looks not that nightmarish. It's hiding but under I believe, my giant I believe wallet. you. Okay. There's two bottles of sunscreen in this bag. Wow. Who needs them? Not me. What kind? Uh, I want to say soup. It's this stuff. Oh, that's super. What are these? Super goop. Super goop. Yep. Super goop. There we go. All right. Chico IT also says, drop ice on the floor when getting it from door dispenser. Consider picking it up 
but kick it under fridge instead. Not I. Oh, me. I do it. Yeah. Really? That's yeah. smart. Um, I have a fear of stepping on a puddle of water when I'm wearing socks. Yeah. It's the, gro- the worst you, feeling. So I, I do pick it up. I put it in my dog. I p- I'll pick it up and put it in my dog bowl. But no, sometimes I just kick it away. Yeah. I never thought about kicking it under the fridge, though. That's smart. Although anyone, I mean, <laughs> it's just like it's a not big smart, pool under his fridge. Yeah. I'm sure it's super gross under there. Yeah. It's also really gross under our stove. Same. Oh, totally. Like there'll be like, there's, I think there's dog fur and pieces of kibble and chip crumbs. And like and, grapes that have just rolled away yeah. and yeah. are now like raisins. Right. That's sort of interesting if that's what grapes look like when they've been under your stove for a long time. Like, I bet they do look like that. They kind of, they kind of harden. I've had blue, I found blueberries too that like didn't rot. They just kind of harden. Hmm. Hmm. Nina Hartley, not the porn star says, I, if I would look normal or attractive, I would shave my head so I wouldn't have to deal with my damn hair anymore. The frizz, getting it in my face, where is my damn hair elastic, grays, etc. I don't think I would shave my head. No, I don't think I would, but I get what you're saying about being annoyed by hair. Um, I am wondering, like, how long am I going to hang on to this long hair? Because it is increasingly a pain in the ass. Except that I just... So I have naturally curly hair and I get straightened. Oh. So when it is... When when it starts growing out and it's been a while since I've had it straightened, then it becomes a nightmare. But I just got it straightened. So now it is too flat, but it, like, takes me no time to do it. Looks good. Thank you. Yeah, it's very sleek. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's how it is immediately after straightening. Mm-hmm. And then it starts growing out. Yeah. But after having a kid, I was like, I, this takes, it takes too much time to do my hair. Um, I totally get why people want just a like wash and wear short hairstyle. And I wonder how much time I would save if I had shorter hair. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, okay. James Leroy Wilson says, it's actually more fun to say screw rather than the F word. Screw this, screw you, etc. I'm a very profane person and yet I don't, I don't like screw and I also don't like bone and I also don't like boff. Boff? No, boff, no one says boff. Uh, no, oh, sorry. Bone and bang. Those oh, all sound... I'm with you on bone. Those all I say sound, bone. You do? I, yeah, but I, ju- I think it's just force of... Ha- it just is in my brain i don't like, know why i don't like it like give me say in a sense how you would say it like oh yeah i never boned him i, I guess i would i would say it with a hint of irony okay. slash joking i would never actually be like hey dory last night anthony and i boned and it was really beautiful <laughs> i would never i would never use it as a natural part of my vernacular i right. do like i do say fuck for everything but Same. just as like a curse word mm-hmm. I, I and it's a satisfying curse word right. screw is not satisfying mm-hmm. no but but to james leroy Roy wilson it is yeah i think it it's might just, just be him. you yeah. james yeah, screw is to me is very screw dirty it. sounding screw that i never say screw Mm-mm, me neither uh, you know what and i also don't i never referred to condoms as rubbers Ugh. oh me neither no yeah say condoms a lot of people say rubber though <laughs> i wonder if that's like a geographical thing like ten- oh, tennis maybe. shoes versus sneakers. sneakers yeah or soda versus pop Ugh. condom versus rubber i think bubbler it's a gener- versus water fountain <laughs> isn't that just new hampshire that says bubbler i think it might be just mm-hmm. a, a weird, very specific yeah. and regional. matt is from like northern massachusetts that's near right. the new hampshire border and he says bubbler he does but i don't say bubbler no me neither i'm from boston do you guys say online or inline 
I'm waiting on or in line. I'm waiting in line. I'm wait- I say in line. That's West Coast. That's oh, what I say too. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Have you guys always said in line? Maybe it's just like New I'm York. in line for the movie. Yeah. yeah, I always say in line. Yeah, in line. New York City is pretty online. Interesting. I think oh, I've never noticed that. You haven't? One. Yes. No. Go there. Go to Dory's hairstylist. I should. And then <gasps> wait somewhere and and find out if you're online or in line. Okay. Okay. Edible Intelligence says, um, "This is from this is from." Regarding the Omarosa tapes, all this talk of secret tapes and all I can think of is who still uses tape. I thought of that, too. Yeah. Wait, wasn't Omarosa, didn't we all just assume she was recording on her iPhone or did she actually have like a tape recorder? Uh, maybe. Well, so August 14th, maybe that wasn't um, what was going on then. I feel like Omarosa was the most recent tape situation. I see. But is this person saying... Did Omarosa actually use tape or are we just saying we're still using that terminology when nobody actually tapes anything anymore? I actually don't know the answer to this. I would assume it was her phone. Yeah, it must have been her phone. Although I do think they confiscate phones at the White House. Who knows how she did it? Hmm. She's a witch. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, I mean, she's just a sneaky, smart lady. I don't know. I I don't think fondly of Omarosa, but... For um, magazine writing purposes, what do you use to record interviews? I now just use my phone. Yeah, I use mm-hmm. Tape a Call. But Wait, I did have a... Use, is that an app? It's, yes, it's an app called Tape a Call. And does it yes. work well? It does work really well. I have that too. I haven't used it in a long time. Um, or I would just, if I was in person, I would just do my re- voice recorder. Right. But I did have a recorder that yeah, I, I used I for a while, too. actually. I had, I had one with actual tapes. Same. And I had... Did and you have the big tapes, the little mini tapes? The little mini, mini tapes. Mm-hmm. And then I think I switched to a digital recorder, but actual recorder. And then I just finally started using my phone. Yeah. Right. Tape a call. Okay. See, right now we have a landline, which I never use except for a little while I was writing, doing these interviews for a magazine. And so I would put them on speakerphone on the landline and then record it with my voice memo Mm -hmm. but then when we're moving i don't know if we're going to get a landline again so i was thinking like what will i do on this rare situation where i need it the app is great yeah okay great now i know and lastly ali harper massey says i don't understand why people sit on toilet seat covers they don't absorb or protect you from anything why are people sitting on them amen a hundred percent i've never used them really ever I oftentimes don't, but then lately, maybe it's a pregnancy. Lately, I have been using them. But I do think it just is like uh, a hint of protection that does nothing. What do you think? I hardly ever use them. Interesting. No mm-hmm. way. I, I'll wipe a toilet. I also don't yeah. squat over a toilet seat. No. I always like, if it's I dry, plant. I sit. Yeah. But I, yeah, I wipe it down first. But oftentimes, I'm like, I just touched a stranger's urine or whatever that was. I mean, with toilet paper, but still, like, I came real close to it. But, like, we've made it this far, and we're all fine. that's true. You know? That's true. Want to hear a gross story? I, how, how, I'm going to tell the story anyway. Okay. I was looking at Dory wondering, like, how, uh, how much can you not handle gross stories? I think you'll be okay with this one. (laughs) Okay. We went to the zoo recently, and in the bathroom there, I'll just make this as vague as possible. Someone's period situation was on the door. How? Oh, I don't how? know. I, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, was this deliberate? Was this a deliberate, like, I'm going to smear? Yes. Or was it like it was someone pulled out a tampon and something flew across the... <laughs> <laughs> splattered. I don't know. But I didn't realize oh. it till I was already sitting down. And I was like... Could it have been like a menstrual cup incident? 
I've never used a menstrual cup, even though they've been recommended to me a thousand times. So I don't know. Is that what happens? They're not like, well, I don't know about splatter. That seems like a intentional. Yeah. That's how it seemed to me. My question is always like, same with the people who smear poop in restrooms. Like, why? What's, what do you What's in it for you? Yeah. Yeah. What what do you need to express? Right. Right now. I'm sure there's something. Are you menstrual cup devotees? I'm a dabbler. Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't always work great for me, so I'll do I'll mix of tampons and cup. Like you'll go back and forth, or you, or you'll do like both. literally this. Oh no, not both at the same okay. time. I don't know if that would be. Rec- I think that would not work out well. Uh, no, like this week I had my period and mm-hmm. did did a little bit of cup, did a little bit of pawn, hmm. a little bit of thinks underwear just to hold it all in. Right, because. Do you happening. feel the cup when it's in there? I can't tell you how many times it's been because I'm a obviously don't have my period right now because I'm pregnant. But when I am not pregnant, I have very heavy periods. Yeah. So it's been recommended to me like a million thousand times. You don't feel it. And actually, um, I have found my cramps are better when I'm really? using a menstrual cup as opposed to a tampon. Yeah. What do you make of that? I think there is some science behind it and I've Googled it. I, I'm sure it's available on a fairly reputable website, um, but it just for whatever reason. So let's yeah. say you're in a public restroom. I don't. You don't. Uh, okay. I did go to Disney World. The cup you can leave in for 12 hours. Uh, so like oh. I went to Disneyland. I left it in the whole time and then I came home and took it out. Oh my God. That's a Im- Dory. Have you used it? I've never used it. 12 hours. That's yeah. amazing. 12 hours is the max. Because I'm a, like, I can't even go on a hour long car ride. I'm similar. Yeah. 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 So for stuff like that, it's really, really nice. But just you want to definitely be, I think, at home, home right? for the taking out and the putting in. Yes. And then you just like dump in the toilet and then rinse out? Dump and rinse, baby. And we talked about this on the podcast and some people suggested boiling or there's like wipes if you really want to do a thorough clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just rinse. Of the cup. Yes, not of your body. <laughs> <laughs> you boil, boil your yourself body. or just get a, a wipe. wipe. Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, it was so much fun having you on the show. This was thank so, you so fun. much. Thank you so thank much you. for having us. Thank We're you so for happy coming to be on. Here. Um, tell everyone, uh, plug anything you'd like to plug. Ooh. Oh, well, our podcast yeah, is scroll. Forever 35. Um, we are wherever you get your podcasts. We're also forever35podcast.com and at Forever 35 Podcast on Instagram. And my other podcast is Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. Um. Everything that Dory just said, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, which is at Kate Spencer, and you can find my book, which is called The Dead Moms Club, anywhere that you like to buy books. Oh, yeah. And I'm at Dory on Instagram. Who does the Forever 35 Instagram? Mostly Dory. She does a great job. She does. Yeah. Thanks, guys. But I always wonder when it's a two-person podcast, who handles Kate's more active in stories. I love stories. And I'm more active on our actual gram. I have anxiety choosing the best, like, cool meme picture to put up on the actual gram. I feel like you have a really good, like, a really good way of curating the vibe. Thanks. No problem. Yeah, it's weird how it's, like, something's got to meet, there's certain metrics it's got to meet to make it to the actual Instagram. Yeah, Stories are more loose, you know? I, I truly enjoy making Instagram stories and I'm entertained by them. Who knew? It's my vine. 
<laughs> it's all about Finally, I have my own vine. Uh, and I have a book out, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. If you go to my website, alisonrosa.com, there's many places to click and it'll take you right to Amazon where you can get it um, available in all formats. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, itunes.com slash Rosen or wherever you get podcasts and um, review and click and rate and all those things that people tell you to do with podcasts. Um, I'm on Twitter, Allison Rosen and uh instagram allison rosen and we have t-shirts and ringtones and all sorts of stuff on the website allisonrosen.com okay i stumble through that at, on every podcast even though it's like the same information repeatedly it's just it's my a thing lot to remember it is i always think maybe i should just like record myself saying it over some jazzy music but they wouldn't have the immediacy of, of this. Stumbling makes you human. Thank you, Kate and Dory. It was wonderful having you on the show. Everyone go check out your podcast. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Oh. 